0: Hello there. Welcome to episode two seventy seven of No Procinium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the NoPro headquarters here in Los Angeles. This is a very special episode of the show. Uh, It is the 2020 NoPro Awards. We've never really done awards before. I don't really love awards, to be perfectly honest. But this year was so, well, this year, that we thought it, it could be nice to take our best of lists um, and and all that sort of stuff and translate it into a form that everyone loves or loves to hate, an award show. Tonight we have uh, 15 special recognitions and recognitions for outstanding achievement that we're going to be handing out that will also coincide with handing out audience choice awards for many of the categories. This process has been going on for a couple of weeks. The editorial side of it, our jury of our senior staff, uh, got together looking at a pool of nominations that were put together by the entire no pro staff. And we spent, Many hours this week debating and discussing and trying to find a way to express what this year was for Immersive in what we would be recognizing. We also had a voting process going on where we had just over 1,500 votes come in for those who were nominated by audience nomination in the Audience Choice Awards. In this episode, you will hear all of that. If we were live streaming it, you'd be hearing it live. But frankly, most people are just gonna race ahead to listen to the category (laughs) that they were nominated in. No, 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 But, but yeah, probably. Uh, I encourage you to listen to everything, (laughs) I really do. And don't just look at whatever the post is that's gonna go up at the same time. There's more to it and there's more context right here on the podcast. That context will be being provided by our lovely team. Joining me tonight are...
1: Hello, this is Catherine Yu, Executive Editor of No NoProsanium.
2: Hi, this is Kevin I'm the LA Reviews Editor for NoPro.
3: Hi, this is Laura Hess. I'm an LA correspondent.
4: Hi there, this is Blake Weil. I am the East Coast Curator-at-Large for NoPro. And this is Patrick McLean. I'm the Chicago Curator for No Persenium.
0: All right. With that done, we're going to move into our first segment. Uh, here's how this is going to work. Just for those of you who are following along at home, and a reminder to the team here, we will uh, we will unveil the the uh, the production that's being recognized uh, by the jury uh, with a little a little little few remarks by a member of the jury. Uh, we will then also reveal uh, the audience choice for that. Uh, segment, and then we'll have a little discussion, uh, from members of the team, uh, sharing those extra insights that you just won't find in the write-up and that I hope you do in fact enjoy from us. With that in mind, I am vamping so that I can make sure I get a timer going because we don't want to spend all night doing this, but we do want to give some respect where it's due. So with that, we're going to go to, um, me, who has drawn the lot on the very first. It's just, I just brought them all together so they can listen to me talk. Uh, we all know what this is all about. Uh it's my job to read uh the jury award for outstanding achievement in live streamed production. There are two choices most productions have made when it comes to Zoom either to lean into the bare fact that you're all on a Zoom call, so many experiences have been about work calls or to try and ignore the ignobility of the infernal platform's massive deficiencies. I may or may not be traumatized by six years of professional Zoom calls as a remote work, uh, worker pre-pandemic. Yet there is a third way to lean into the absurdity of it all while delivering a character-driven experience, which is exactly what Cricklewood Theatre Company does with The Sleepover. Based on a live show that was in development, the sleepover leaned into broad comic performances that made the absurdity of pretending that we were all at a middle school sleepover circa 1990x all the more... hmm, Believable isn't the right term, but for a while, it was possible to ignore the boxes on the screen and just play along with the rest of the gang. And what more can we really want? With that, the Emmy goes to... (laughs) see katherine i did it i did it <laughs> the sleepover the prophecy from. has come true the outstanding the sleepover gets the outstanding achievement in live stream production and the audience choice award as selected by you the audience of new proscenium is family skeletons adventure with a wacky witch bruja by veronica rodriguez um we drew lots before we we started. Uh, Laura, you wanted to lay uh, weigh in a little here, lay in a little here, weigh in a little here on uh, on all this, on on this particular achievement.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna jump in on. I'm gonna piggyback actually on your review of the sleepover, and I think one of the things that, as you introduced it, that we really want to highlight for the sleepover is how well. Zoom was utilized. It didn't feel like Zoom was this byproduct that the creators were forced to either adapt the show to or that they were creating around it in a way that felt like the show couldn't live and breathe the way that it was designed. It felt like Zoom was the almost the best choice for this production. And there have been so many productions where that that hasn't been the case. And I think the way that the sleepover utilized the Zoom interface, specifically the breakout rooms, it was so seamlessly integrated that it really elevated the experience and it didn't feel like a constraint. It didn't feel like we were fighting against that.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's such a good point about, you know, Zoom has been such a shackle. I mean, like what I like what what I wrote um, and and there are ways to sort of you know deal with it. But. Like, they dealt with it. Like, it It really, they still brought along that joy. And for me, I think a lot of that had to do with just how strong the character choices were. And, uh, you know, leaning into the absurdity of the general situation by just packing in more absurdity. Also, just generally, like, I think as we all know, we don't see a lot of comedy immersive I mean, just entire team here. We've got a we've got a moment or two. Like, how often do we see like a comedy that really makes us laugh,
4: right? Ten percent,
1: maybe 10%, 10%, I, five to ten percent. Right.
4: <laughs> I can remember perhaps three shows um, off the top of my head. It's it's not a comedy-heavy genre. Oh,
1: yeah. Wait, there
5: there are immersive experiences that are funny <laughs>
1: <laughs> on purpose.
0: Yes, Patrick. What, yes, Patrick. It's oh, asking. wow, it's
1: funny yeah. on purpose.
0: Not. Yeah. Due okay, to all right, let's, let's, let's not, let's, this this is an upbeat show. This is an upbeat show this time. I, I have every reason, many reasons for making this upbeat. Uh, but it's, it's so great to see people really embrace that and, and show that that works. And, you know, they, they did, they did a lot to set the tone. Uh, you know, they used this platform called Echo to, you know, get you in the mood of like making kind of meaningless choices uh, and just, just they onboarded you. They, they, they slipped right into the situation and then it, it just always kept itself going. So um, congratulations to the team on the sleepover. And now uh, for our next section, uh, we're going to turn to Patrick who is our next reader.
5: So I'll be talking about live action gaming. And I think to really talk about this uh, year's winner, a big part of storytelling, I think part of our human nature has been to, gather closely around you know, the fire and tell a story to a group of people uh, all together in the same moment. But I feel like over the years, we've streamlined this process. And thanks to like the accessibility of entertainment through our phones and devices and computers to making the audience have a more passive engagement in the story as it's being crafted. So it's definitely a definitive line between the creators, and the audience who are developing the story together. But uh, with providing a box of artisan-made items shipped to your home, Tales by Candlelight Session Zero guides, teaches, and reminds their audience that the art of verbal storytelling is the original game played among friends and even strangers to delightfully pass the time uh, day and night. What happens is you go on a journey to develop a unique story where everyone gets a chance to uh, contribute. And what really is delightful about this experience is that at the end of the session, you still have all the box of items that are reusable. So even though your session has ended, the game you have started is far from over. So. It is my pleasure to congratulate An Outstanding Achievement in Live Action Gaming, Tales by Candlelight Session Zero by Walk the Night. Additionally, the audience choice winner is Seize the Show, "Saving Wonderland from Seize the Show.
0: Blake, uh, I know that uh, you drew the lot for this one, and you've also, you've, you've seen both Seize the Show and some of the other uh, other works that we were talking about, because uh, this has been a really great year for this category.
4: This has been an amazing year for uh, gameplay. Um, I kind of came into the immersive theater world through the LARP world and have really loved Thicket, have loved Seize the Show. I got to see They're All About Evil. And the the thought that keeps coming to mind for me is, who do I get to be when I see this show? Uh, a lot of times, you know, when I think back to, say, even a blockbuster hit, like Then She Fell, who was the person I was when I got to see Then She Fell? And... The people I've gotten to be in these shows, the the smarmy corporate monster, the aggressive detective, the Broadway junkie having a terrible cast reunion with friends, it's been delightful to get to visit all these sort of new facets of myself. And one of the reasons I think Session zero responded so well with people is that it really leans into that sense of immersion and transformation that I think no other subgenre within immersive theater really hits as hard as live action gaming.:
0: I don't know, you also had a you had a great experience with this, but also you know you're you're studying at USC games right now, so I'm sure you've got a, a bit of a take here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean everyone everyone on the faculty is obsessed with tabletop gaming, tabletop mechanics. Um I was actually pointing out to some folks in the VR world that when we first start designing games, we are not allowed to jump straight to Unity. They want the paper prototypes. So we've got tokens and cardboard and markers and index cards and we're we're rolling dice. All of us have all of the dice in every color like like there's a there's one upmanship about the dice and it's funny because I think what tale, uh, Tales from Candlelight does really elegantly is take away some of the stuff that might have baggage associated with it, and try to show this type of gaming from a different perspective. So that's why your, you know, your branching narrative doesn't come to you as you know, hit, run away, or try to talk your way out of it. It's well, do you like Candle Five or Candle Eleven or Candle Seventeen? which one of these scents speaks to you. And the facilitator kind of riffs off of that. And then whenever there's some sort of risky action, uh, they have a stack of beautifully designed chance cards. And so you are incorporating a lot of the same mechanics as you might find in something like Dungeons & Dragons, but it's being presented in a very specific way. And the way that they kind of get you into it and uh, the different kind of scenarios and textures and materials, This is all one package that kind of opens up that world of live action gaming. As someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy uh, tabletop RPGs, I found myself entranced by this. And a lot of it has to do with that experience design. And a lot of it also has to do with a really skilled facilitator, that host who's co-creating that character with you and co-creating that story with you. I mean, in in my moments blurb about them, I, I killed my laptop battery because I did not realize that two hours had gone by. So that's how engrossed I became in the story that we were building. And like Blake was saying, we were building it together. And it's
5: definitely a story that you keep just thinking about. After the session I had, I definitely just I couldn't go to sleep, I had a very similar reaction where I just kept thinking about what would happen next in my story. And because of the time zone difference, I was just up late to like one in the morning thinking about my experience. So it definitely carries with you and you just keep expanding upon that experience in your own time.
1: When you um, come by the candles also, you you flash back to that moment, which is very visceral and speaks to um, its immersive nature.
0: Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our next category, we've got, uh, for this one, uh, we turned to someone who can't be here tonight, but who is, no proscenium's, definitely a resident expert when it comes to escape games, because I do think there are few people amongst the team who have done as many, and maybe maybe no one on the team who's done as many as Kara Mandel, uh, who is here to share with us outstanding achievement in escape gaming. Let's roll the tape.
6: Hey, happy holidays, no proscenium friends and listeners and friends of listeners, I don't know. It's your old pal, Kara. I'm so excited to announce our staff pick for Escape Room of the year. I have to say this was a difficult decision. Um, There were so many wonderful options out there and it could have gone to so many uh, equally enjoyable experiences, but obviously had to narrow it down to one. Um, The reason we picked this one was because it it kind of covered all the bases. Um, It was enjoyable puzzles. It was great scenic design. Uh, What I really appreciated about it was it had a cinematic quality to it that was kind of beyond what I was seeing with other escape rooms and virtual escape games. It really felt like you were kind of living in a horror mystery film. And our avatar slash Game Master was in character the entire time, and incredibly charming, and also really believable. The game was the sequel to the exorcism experience. Uh, The game that we picked for our first inaugural No Pro Awards escape game of the year was The Beast from Emergency Exit Manchester. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about the game if you haven't played it yet, but I will say that There were some interactive elements that were incorporated into the game that I had not seen done by other companies before. Uh, And the fact that they kind of did this so quickly and of their own accord was really impressive. Um, So yeah, kudos to them. Congratulations. And kudos to everybody who's making something during the hellscape that is 2020. If you made a thing, congratulations. You made a thing in the worst year ever. So congratulations to Ronnie and the entire team at Emergency Exit Manchester. Well deserved.
0: Once again, thanks to Kara for dropping in with outstanding achievement in escape gaming. Katherine, uh, you've done a good number of escape games this year. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the challenge everyone's had pivoting from IRL to URL and the different roads.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's been fascinating because Uh, There are a lot of different avenues that an escape game owner can take. Uh, One that was particularly interesting and speaks to kind of the strength of our our, uh, winner here is the idea of a live avatar. So this is someone who's kind of a game master, but also kind of a character and in a physical space. Uh, Typically, it's a physically built out escape room. But instead of you, the player, going there yourself, this person is an avatar and they're conversing with you, oftentimes in character, they're showing you how they feel, they're trying not to lead you down um, specific paths, they might drop a hint or two. So you're telling them like open this, close that, what's that over there? Can you look up, can you look down? Oh, do you see something? And then they might have like a running commentary as they're going for it. So that's been something that's been really interesting because you're bringing in aspects of say, a first person video game, but it's also happening live and there's a person there and they can improv, they can incorporate what the player's saying. So you've got those like theatrical skills because it really is a performance. And so I'm just really excited about the possibilities for these avatar led physical escape rooms right now.
0: And there's another kind of avatar led escape room. And that is exemplified by the winner of our audience choice, which is Dr. Crumb school for disobedient pets by adventure lab. That's an a uh, virtual reality escape room experience that has a live actor in it. And so that's yet another variation on the form. And so, um, it's, it's, it's been such a robust year for escape gaming and it's, it's really gone in some new directions. Uh, it's, it's been, it was interesting to see, say, you know, the room VR pop up, uh, and sort of, you know, bring that classic, uh, you know, iPad, iPhone game to spatial life, particularly because of that the Room series influenced so many real life escape games. To then have that, some of the creators behind that working on spatial, spatially um, designed experiences, it's just it's just exciting. And you know, we're we're about ten years into the escape game. Uh, you know, immersion. Uh, 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 Emergence. Sorry, it's too close to immersive and immersion uh, to this escape game emergence, and it really doesn't feel like the innovation is going away at all.
1: Absolutely not. And uh, yeah, if anyone is you know putting their your their heads to the ground and thinking of new scrappy innovative ways, it's a, it's escape room designers.
0: All right, our next reader is going to be Kevin Gossett.
2: Hi, I get to present the outstanding achievement in alternate reality gaming or experiences. And this is the jury award and the audience choice award actually lined up for this one. And it is Arcana, produced by All of Them Witches. Uh, early in the months, early in the pandemic, the that influenced its setting, Arcana was a rousing success that played out over Instagram, email, and video. It was an ARX or alternate reality experience that told the story of Jade and her sense of isolation through a series of interactions and puzzles. But it was relationships with the players that provided an emotional anchor point that helped focus the story of Arcana. Along the way, the wider world of the show offered fun new avenues to explore. Hi, Gareth, the demonologist, along with a few twists here and there. But Jade remained at the center of that world. Arcana managed to create a thematically and emotionally resonant piece of work for a wide audience at a time when people really needed it.
0: Laura, I know you drew the the lot, uh, and you and Kevin and Blake were the, the team for NoPro that uh, dived in on Arcana.
3: Right. The three of us co-authored the weekly Arcana diary as this experience played out over the course of a month. And one thing that the three of us have talked about before is that, uh, as Kevin cited, This experience came through multiple platforms. So this was based in Instagram. We also received and sent emails and videos. One of the things that was so fantastic about Arcana is the way the experience design was utilized through Instagram. It really felt like, again, this was similar to how I was talking about Zoom for the sleepover. It really felt like the team clearly understood how to leverage all the features of Instagram, what works, what doesn't, making sure that that was all very skillfully employed and integrated into the experience design. So it felt very cohesive. They also did a great job of making it as safe as possible. They were very clear about when we were operating in-world, whether that was in-world with a specific character or via a specific platform. And there was such a beautiful merging of these historical, real-world events and people, and then this fictionalized narrative, which also, as we're talking about comedic experiences and how maybe the the immersive and interactive world doesn't have as many of those, Arcana did a great job of splicing that. So we have especially with Kevin's shout-out here to Gareth, the demonologist, we had a lot of comedic relief that really balanced out this more horror-based experience. So it felt very cohesive and very enjoyable through all these disparate elements where that, that really could have gone off the rails. So the fact that they were so carefully designed, it made the whole experience really sing.
0: This isn't the only... Alternate reality experience we're going to talk about tonight. Kevin, you have you have something else to share with the with the team right now because uh, the jury the jury has vast abilities and this is this is one of our first uh, deviations from what was given out to the audience.
2: I do, and it's my honor to pre- present the first special achievement of the night, and this goes to special achievement and in inter- intimate alternate reality experience to Iconfront, created by Darren Lynn Bowesman and crew. While iConfident offered an experience for a relatively small number of people, it was certainly one of the most ambitious, immersive offerings this year. Uh, With more than 30 actors and 28 distinct but interconnected stories, Daryl Lynn Bowsman and crew offered something difficult to come by in 2020, connection. Participants in iConfident forged real connections that grew over three three weeks and helped make the whole thing incredibly immersive and impactful, while also being dark, funny, shocking, nerve-wracking, and moving. Um, so I'm gonna chat a little bit more about this one because I think I was the only one that did it in the no pro crew. it's um, so one I keep talking about in any time we're asked to write about something that kind of spoke to us about immersive theater during this pandemic time. And I think this was one of those ones that really did a lot right. And it was it was for a small group, and I don't think it's scalable or repeatable or kind of anything like that. But it was it was such kind of a profound experience because it it. It, like it, it focused in on that connection that people have, and it was early in the pandemic, and it, it did it so smartly, it, it focused on talking to people by uh, email and text messages, and then moving to phone calls and then finally video calls. And it took its time to build that connection, and it was just an important part of what made it work. Um, and it was just like this impressive kind of focus experience that I'm, I still don't know how they managed to kind of pull off the the many, many, many threads that they had kind of running around and ultimately tie up the whole experience in kind of a beautiful, kind of noteworthy way at the end. Um, so that's what I've got to say about iCompton.
0: That idea of the progression from email to phone to video, like taking participants on a journey through different mediums that then sort of Increase the bandwidth and also, you know, deepened the level of intimacy between character and participant. Like there's there's a lot of it's clearly a lot of learned experience going into a move like that, which is, you know, elegant in its simplicity, but clearly had a a pretty big impact for you
2: yeah and i think that was i i keep coming back to that decision specifically to kind of space it out and really let that connection grow in an organic way instead of trying to to force it into 20 minutes or an hour or whatever um and it really kind of paid dividends at the end and kind of as that as that relationship progressed with people throughout the uh the time spent with that confidant
0: our next presenter is
4: blake thank you so much and it is my absolute pleasure to award Outstanding Achievement in a Special Delivery Experience to This Great Plague by Tracy Smith at This Yearning. The level of mastery over both sensory input and ritual elevates This Great Plague to spectacular. Walking you through the history of the bubonic plague via pod play with a self administered treatment based on traditional remedies for the bubonic plague. The piece gracefully balanced the darkness and rot of that theme and time period with an ultimate feeling of health and renewal. For a category that focuses on the physical, the level of care each component had needs to be applauded. From the way the fragrances balanced and complemented each other as they were blended, to the way that the package was delivered in a muslin sack resembling a body bag. For a genre that specializes in giving its audience the magic of transformation, no other show this year gave me such a sense of touching another version of me from a different time and place. We also are giving our, audi- our audience gave their award to One Day Die by Darren Lynn Bousman.
0: The emergence of this category is something that... Probably wouldn't have happened without, uh, the absolute pandemic disaster we're going through. Um, and while there's a lot, I would probably give anything (laughs) to like, not have the pandemic happen. Uh, the the special delivery is kind of a, um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to have. Um, and there's been so many interesting variations on it. Um, and these these packages uh, can be quite elaborate indeed. Um, I I'm I'm at times absolutely blown away. And I mean the, the box uh, from One Day Die uh, is is kind of a, a singular achievement out of itself. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that the audience uh, gave the award uh, for that one because uh, that that was just an. Uh, d- d- it was like an unending rabbit hole, uh, that, that, that incredible, incredible box. But like all of these experiences, um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting this great plague. Uh, you know, when we were doing our conference the other night, Blake was talking it up, uh, in a way that made me go, Oh my God, I got to get it. I think all of us did. And we all went and ordered it. So there was a bunch of orders coming in at like the last possible second. Um, I think, sorry guys. I think we snapped up the last ones in existence, but maybe not Uh, check it out.
1: Sorry, Tracy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Tracy. No, tracy's loving that it's just like you know tracy tracy's tracy made some sales uh it's everyone else we got to apologize for we, we had the inside bag this is like the insider trading version of NoPro. uh it's like hey everybody this is great by the way we bought them all uh <laughs>
4: bye um there should be many more special deliveries to come though i know tracy will be launching a new experience pretty soon uh i have no clues on it yet but i'm super excited
0: We've got something else to be super excited about our second special achievement for the night. Uh, And uh, this is going to be a, a, it's a tag team effort here. Uh, And this one is for special achievement for the sleeper hit, uh, which is for the Japanese ghost painting experience. Uh, Blake, uh, uh, you want to set this up a little bit and then we're going to, we're going to leap to Kara's tape on this one.
4: For sure. So We're a very comprehensive staff, I know, but we are mere mortals, and NOPRO can't cover everything. Deciding on coverage is a super heavy decision in any field, but it really feels like that doubles in immersive. We're an industry that really started underground, and some of our brightest stars still exist in that space. And even more of those stars are brand new, especially this year when it's become easier than ever to put your work out to a very large audience. And so part of the reason we felt like we really needed to give this show special commendation, so many of our staff started getting calls from friends, begging them to do this show they had heard about and then experienced on Airbnb of all places. It was an Airbnb experience. And that sort of proof positive of the phenomena of new stars coming from underground in this space. One of the particularly thrilling things to me about this show that made it an absolute requirement to talk about is the way it really both expanded audiences and creators. This is the first time I can personally recall an international smash hit like this coming out of anywhere other than North America or Great Britain. So without further ado, here's our own Karamandel Mandel telling us about why the Japanese ghost painting was one of this year's biggest viral hits.
6: I just want to say a few things about the Japanese ghost painting experience because of all of the immersive experiences I've done this year, this was the one that really stood out to me for a number of reasons. Um, it stayed with me and it really, it really actually genuinely creeped us out. Um, I think the fact that I went in with such low expectations or no expectations because, you know, here was this experience on Airbnb experiences, a pretty new format, um, it could have it could have gone either way. Uh thankfully it was recommended to me from someone whose opinion I trust. Uh and he basically said, "Yeah, you'll like this. Just give it a shot." So, uh I thought the story was well written. The actor who played Peter was wonderful. Um the setting was creepy. The special effects were really believable. Uh the producer brain in me spent days afterwards trying to think about like, what elements of that were live? Was anything pre-recorded? What elements were pre-recorded? Um And now I realize I don't care. And I don't want to know. Um, the whole thing felt really uh in the moment and terrifying and urgent. And uh it had a, a wonderful build and cadence to it from a narrative perspective. So bravo. And I'm really excited to see what you come up with next. So Congratulations.
0: Again, thanks to Kara for leaping in and letting all of us who missed out and feel bad about missing out on the Japanese ghost painting uh, experience. Uh, We're gonna take a short break uh, because we've been at this for a while. Uh, You can take one too. There's gonna be the music sting and then we'll be right back and we're gonna be kicking it off with our virtual reality categories. So stay tuned. We'll see you after this. Welcome back from the break. And now the second half of our awards show. It feels weird to be doing an awards show, but I guess we're doing an awards show. It's we're the 2020... Show. Yeah. It's 2020 No Presenting Awards. Uh, and now our next reader, you just heard her voice. It's Catherine Yu. Catherine, come on down. We're on Discord. We can't go anywhere. All right.
1: I'm coming down the virtual aisle to talk to you about VR. So a lot has been made about virtual reality as an empathy machine or allowing people to literally put themselves in the shoes of someone who doesn't look like them. Um, and you know, a lot of that does sound like marketing or maybe scientific hogwash that can't be backed up. However, what I find to be really powerful is intimate personal experiences that bring to life really compelling stories. So it is my absolute pleasure to, uh, announced that the award for Outstanding Achievement in Virtual Reality Experiences goes to The Book of Distance by the National Film Board of Canada and Randall Okita. So this experience is very special in that it brings to life the story of uh, the creator's grandfather as he moves from his hometown of uh, Hiroshima, Japan, to Canada a few years right before World War II. And through the magic of this kind of embodied immersive technology, we, the audience, really have the ability to participate in Randall's reimagining of his grandfather's journey. So, you as a user are kind of there um, seeing things as he starts a new life and he gets married and he starts a family. Like, you're there packing his bags, you're there, like, showing your passport to customs, and all of a sudden, Spoiler alert, uh, World War II happens, and so his new life really just gets ripped away by war and state-sanctioned racism as he gets separated from his family and put into an internment camp. And you kind of follow in Yonezo's footsteps as uh, he's going through this, as it's brought to life by Randall. Randall also has a presence in the story and is kind of narrating the facts and figures that are more set in stone and the stuff that his grandfather never really talked to him about, so it's a it's a really compelling story of pain, of love, of sacrifice. Um, and for me, you know, I think that it really resonates with anyone who has ever left home in search of a better life, or for anyone who's really tried to make things better for the generations to come.
0: We also have our Audience Choice Award for this category of Outstanding Achievement in Virtual Reality Experiences. And that goes to BRC VR by the BRC VR team, uh, BRC standing for Black Rock City. Uh, this took place in Altspace and was part of uh, Burning Man's multiverse this year. Um, this was something uh, you couldn't have two experiences kind of more different in the medium, right. <laughs> than than Book of Distance and BRCVR. and and Catherine and I have done have done both, and I think you know we we love to talk about Book of Distance. I I was privileged enough to to get to see it in person at Sundance, uh, in in the setup that they had there. Uh, they kept tissues standing by because a lot of people came out of the headset just blubbering. I know I did. Um, just it, just an absolute. I mean, honestly, Book of Distance is one of the best immersive theater pieces I've ever seen, mm-hmm. or ex- or experienced, as we usually are supposed to say uh, that I've ever experienced. Strike that from the record. Where I saw, um, <laughs> and uh, and and it is in VR, and it's just it's a documentary immersive theater piece inside virtual reality. Uh, the good news of which is that you know if you've got a pc vr you can you can experience it now thanks to all all the different you know ways that folks with pcs do i i don't know if it'll overcome to the quest which is the large i think that's now like the largest vr platform brcr was like uh, yeah brcvr was totally special because it was a recreation of burning man uh in alt space just Dozens of of worlds people had built to uh, capture uh sometimes like recreating pieces that were supposed to be at Burning Man or had been at Burning Man before, a giant virtual recreation of of the main space that you could tra- traverse with your friends. Uh Catherine and I, uh and a and a bunch of our pals spent uh spent the better part of an afternoon um one day just kind of wandering around together in a big group and it's the only time all year that i've had that hang out with your friends and explore a space energy which is probably the number one thing that fuels me as a human being and you know it was it was really fascinating to have folks who had never been to burning man like myself folks who are habitual burning man goers uh and and other folks who like had a real interest in it but just like hey i want to hang out Zipping around oh, with love us.
1: VR, right? They yeah, would ne- they would never go to the playa, but they love VR
0: Exactly and we were just zipping around, you know falling falling through portals trying to stay together uh, failing to do so reconnecting you me a few times. <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, we all we all did and 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 that's what an afternoon out with friends is supposed to feel like and so uh, That this emerging medium can provide both of those experiences in the same year uh using more or less the same equipment it's it's a really great testament to where things are going with that
1: yeah and just to tag on to that um the actual burn itself people were tweeting about it taking pictures sharing screenshots and it felt like the longest time like an an event like the first event where it was like oh yeah everyone's gonna be there and you can get there on your pc or mac to so just like show up and like let's see the burn
0: yeah yeah it it had It's the only thing this year that had that vibe of, hey, are are you going? Um, Yeah, that was really great. We're gonna stay in virtual reality for our next Achievement Award. uh, And our reader for that is going to be Patrick.
5: Thank you. Uh, And I'll be talking specifically about live virtual reality production. And uh, first and foremost, tender clause is no stranger to live VR performances. Actors have long dropped into the Under Percent's hub world to engage and play with players. Uh, in the start, these delightful encounters, encounters occurred randomly and quickly, being easily missable flash-in-the-pan performances before you can even power up your headset. Yet, Tender Claws continually evolved and expanded their live performance, eventually creating Tempest, a one-person adaptation of the Shakespeare classic. Between rotating through different performers, performers over several different uh, nights, creating engaging moments of audience interaction and in gorgeous and magical environments, Tempest excellently showcases the immersive possibilities of live VR performances, and this is why we are awarding the outstanding achievement in live virtual reality production to the Underpresents Tempest by Tenderclaws which also was the Audience Choice Award for this category as well.
1: For anyone who's never been in the under, it's this very surreal place. Um, It's framed as being out of space and out of time. And the game had been live for several months. And all of a sudden, this like new space called the Decameron Theater just kind of appeared one day. And they announced that they were doing live ticketed performances regularly multiple times a day and for anyone who had an oculus quest or rift it was all of a sudden accessible so i can't think of a better um you know um, group of folks to give this award to because it really feels like there was a watershed moment around oh yeah this can be a thing i can buy a ticket i can go to a show I can physically, you know, quote unquote, physically enter this virtual theater and then I can take in this 40, 45 minute experience with a small group of other participants. Some of whom, you know, from what I observed, uh, didn't really know the under, didn't really know the game, didn't really know much of the mechanics around the gameplay. And I went several times and every single time it was different because part of the genius of Samantha Gorman's script and the directing that Samantha and uh, her partner did, Danny, uh, they gave the actors a lot of leeway to improv, to lean into the emergent behavior of the participants, to put their own spin on it. So I saw takes that were much more classically Shakespearean. And then I saw takes that were, uh, you know, had like little memes and catchphrases. And I was like, oh, wait, um, this actor is doing something totally different. I saw takes that were more serious. I saw interpretations that were more you know um, humorous and funny. Um, sometimes you would do stuff that was really unexpected because of the people that you were with and uh, I think it 's just a testament to the power of this medium and what happens when you add a live performance to it like peanut butter and chocolate. you know live performance and VR it just i 'm so excited about the potential here
0: mm in a really great turn and just in the past like week uh samantha has dropped the script for the tempest so that folks can check out how it was structured and in a field where there's so little documentation that's accessible in the commons that move is incredible and uh it it makes the fact that we're giving this award uh to them this year uh all the sweeter in so many ways um We've talked a lot about screens for uh, a lot of the night, uh, and we were just deep, deep into the screens, the screens that you attach to your face. So we're going to go the entirely different way, and we're going to talk about a category that I'm really excited that we have and that we came up with a good name for, and that is Outstanding Achievement in Screenless Experiences. And presenting this one is going to be Laura.
3: I'm so excited to talk about this uh, this category. I mean, I think especially jumping right on the heels of VR, it was phenomenal, especially given everything that creators were dealing with. I, I cannot believe the range of experiences under the screenless banner. That how, like, a phone call can be so deeply, deeply transformative. I just think that there were so many different experiences that fall into this category that were such standouts. So, but we settled on A Call from the Resistance by Capital W. And A Call from the Resistance, what was so unique about it, it intersected at the crux of personal politics and the public forum of our very fraught national political discourse. And then a through line of individual action was so deftly interwoven into this while the entire experience was led by a deeply empathetic guide. And so throughout this single phone call, writer, performer, and co-director Mason Flink honored the duality of individual perspective alongside the power of collective activism. And then this verbal co-meditation ended with this final act of service by Mason, which was a universal story merging the present political moment with my personal experiences. And the end result was this profound sense of restoration, camaraderie, and a refueling of my emotional preserves.
0: And our audience choice for Outstanding Achievement in Screenless Experiences Went to the telelibrary by Unique Trapman O'Brien, um, which was also a telephone-based experience. Uh, and then we have uh, who's who's tapping in here, uh, Patrick. You've got you've you've got uh, the the short straw or <laughs> the long straw. I don't know what straw is it. You 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 uh, get to you get to jump in.
5: Very happy to talk about a call from the <laughs> resistance. A very happy straw to pull. Uh, I, I would definitely further a lot of what. Um, Laura spoke to, in particular, the elegance that it, it, it is set up like we're going to have, you know, it is very conversational. I never thought that uh, it was just a matter of a series of check boxes to be like, okay, well, now I have your personal details to plug into this larger narrative of America to give you context with what's going on this year. But it was... Very hard, a very beautiful engagement of dialogue of back and forth to really mine out how I actually was feeling and what I was doing, and to really recall in many ways. And it's very hard to think about this in 2020 with everything that's going on, but how far we've come since 2016 for good uh, and bad in the progression of who we are, where our country is, and what we're trying to do uh, about it. So I thought that was really a rewarding engaging experience. And it was, I hate to just simply distill it as a thought-provoking experience, but I've noticed, personally, I love to continue to learn, just to keep learning about the world I'm a part of and broaden my perspective on it. And the finale of this piece really makes you think, Oh, wow, we really have idealized some of the aspects of America and the role we play in resisting uh, forces. And I thought it was very enlightening and engaging because of that.
1: Yeah, I'll just add on to that by saying I really appreciated their pretty broad, inclusive definition of what it means to resist. And so a lot of it was about meeting people on where they were on their own terms. Uh, encouraging participants to follow the thread of resistance that felt the most right to them. And uh, specifically, like the the tagline is, the resistance is open to all who dare to dream, which I found to be really uh, resonant.
0: I want to talk a bit about the, this category as a whole. Uh, we happen to have two experiences that are uh, based off uh, you know, interactive telephone experiences, uh, a one a one to one ratio. Uh, you know, as we were talking about this one, you know there were there were all kinds of options that uh, that could have stepped up to the fore uh, and that were really incredible this year because uh, screenless you know it can cover, the escape game's in a box. Uh, it also is covering pod plays. Uh, there's so much going on that isn't a screen-based experience. And I know, you know, in our in our deliberations, uh, you know, between like this category and some of the other categories, we talked about things like uh, Neil Patrick Harris's box one. We talked about things like uh, the kind of, um, you know, spatial audio work that's been going on. Uh, there's, you know, delivery boxes, meals that have appeared for, for people anything where the the heart of it wasn't someone watching something through zoom zoom or clicking through and You know that some of the strongest most emotionally moving experiences of the year have Have definitely avoided the use of screens particularly because we're all trapped by our screens now. I think Speaks well of the creativity of the community as a whole and Just uh, how much things are happening Uh, just just to note like box one actually has screens involved So it that one's really only in the escape game setup But nevertheless the 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 heart of the experiences are doing stuff with physical objects or with the sound of someone's voice Speaking of the sound of someone's voice our next special achievement Uh, comes at this very moment of the show and uh, I get to uh, I get to read this one Um, so this is a um, you know what I'm gonna set it this way there are few masters of the art of scaring the stuffing out of you with words alone like darkfield eternal the latest in their series of at-home experiences under the darkfield radio umbrella is so good that we had to recognize it with a special achievement in spatial audio. Darkfield's mastery of the technical form of spatial audio is so good, <laughs> I repeat to myself, I don't care, that once experienced, it becomes hard to go back to simple stereophonic sound in other forms of entertainment. I pray that a thousand imitators rise up in their long shadow and revolutionize the way that stories unfold between our ears. Hopefully not all of them will be as terrifying as Eternal. Laura, you have done all three of Darkfield Radio's pieces this year, and uh, and you, you want to jump in here a little bit to talk about uh, these-
3: How these terrifying more, they all are? <laughs> terrifying <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to note, um, so Double, which was the first Darkfield Radio offering and then Visitors, which was the second. Both of those are uh, designed for two people at home to do concurrently. So Eternal is the first solo participant experience. And I have to say that there was a whole other level of terror that this took me to. I had, there were a for me i felt like there was a missed moment with double as as impressive as the spatial audio and there's so much that's so well designed and and worthy of accolades and discussion around but i felt like with eternal everything was just really hit the mark it doing it alone and the the story itself and i <laughs> i really was so tempted to stop the experience. I was convinced that there was someone in the room with me. I knew that there was no one at home at the time, and I I genuinely was fighting so hard not to open my eyes and interrupt the experience because I was convinced that someone was in my room and I was absolutely terrified. And I can't think of another. Making sure that
0: you didn't open up your <laughs> eyes and see someone there.
3: <laughs> and Perhaps it's... that's
0: what kept you from opening your eyes.
3: And Laura. I think that you had this experience too. Like it stays with you. I mean, you well, like I couldn't I...
0: sleep for a couple of hours. I was like, I'm not going back in that room. There's a man in there.
1: <laughs> so what you're saying is, I need to get a refund, like right now. I cannot. I cannot oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, look. If if uh, you you know, look, it, it's the safe word on eternal is you just pull the covers off your head and open your eyes, and then your the experience ends. So you know, it's like you see how long you can go. It is, it it is. I spent everyone I know who liked vampires and everyone I know who likes scary stuff. I was just like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Tell me as soon as you were done. I had one friend who was like, it was too real. Uh, And this is someone who loves stuff. I'll tell everybody afterwards who it was and you'll be like what Uh, and then another friend was just like, oh my god Oh my god. Oh my god Uh, Again, like friends of no pro friends who love this kind of stuff Uh, It's it's really really incredible and for me I think speaking to the larger thing like I then started, you know I went back and like I was playing some video games literally that night I went and played some video games and I just with headphones on and games that are like we're super immersive and we're like the best of the best and we're like the most thing and like visually incredible etc etc and the audio was so flat even with Dolby Atmos turned on the audio is so flat compared to what Darkfield is doing. Mm -hmm. This is the bar now for immersive spatial audio and and I just I I I can't live without it anymore. Like I need it in everything. Uh, maybe not all this scary, but I need it in everything. Laura, you're still up to bat because you have our next Outstanding Achievement Award.
3: Right. So this is just, I, I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself and, and and we're all sort of repeating ourselves that within each category, there's just so much outstanding work. So this is Outstanding Achievement in an individual performance. And there have been truly some magical incredibly captivating, masterful performances. I am, it is absolutely my pleasure to single out Taylor Feld from Each and Every by Candlehouse Collective. To me, this was one of the most generous performances of 2020. Taylor created this otherworldly space for a Joyful exchange and intimate catharsis through our connection to music, both as a personal gesture and as an act of humanity. So, you have this incredible mix of emotion that is deeply felt. You have joy. In my experience, there was also sadness. Um, and you have the personal and the universal. And so Feld and Evan Neiden of Candle House Collective, they crafted this show that danced between fiction and autobiography and from the personal to the universal for both the participant and the performer. And as brilliantly written as the show was, it was Feld's performance through this shared dance that transformed a single phone call into this indelible exchange. And then the audience choice, selection was Siobhan O'Loughlin for Please Don't Touch the Artist by Siobhan O'Loughlin.
0: And uh, Blake and Patrick are up to bat to talk about individual performances here, starting with Blake.
4: So each and every was one of those shows that I just couldn't stop gushing about to people. I first ran into Taylor Feld when they were playing a character also by the name of Blake back in Candle House's The Lucky Ones, which was my first introduction to the company. And Taylor has this gift where she manages to make her vulnerability so universal and provoke such a profound sense of empathy in the audience. For a show that deals with topics as heavy as grief and how we move on after what feels like insurmountable loss, only a performer like Taylor could bring me back to this position of really ultimate hope and the triumph of the human spirit over adversity. And it it felt like exactly what I needed during the pandemic, during this really difficult time for all of us. And that connection is what makes solo performance and one-on-one theater so so special right now.
5: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think something that Feld does quite amazingly uh along with siobhan and many of the other kind of one-on-one individual performance performancers performers there you go performers that, <laughs> yeah per- the word for today yeah. is performers uh in 2020 all of them are really good at caring and mm. being mindful of what you are bringing and you're engaging because for my performance of each and every uh it was right after the election and even though it was right after the election, I still had lots of feelings and I was down about a lot of stuff. I was, when I picked up to answer the call for this performance, I was not in a, let's, let's do this, let's play, let's be immersive, let's explore this together. And I was, you know, I, I was not in the ideal place, but fell just was so aware and mindful of that and definitely matched my tone. And because of that, brought me up through their performance of what we were talking about and exploring together. And it was really rewarding and engaging. So I thought that was just what really made their performance stand out for me this year.
0: And Patrick, I think the, the point you make about just how, how much a performer can do to make space for the audience and to sort of create that, that level ground is 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 a big part of the power of this form. And, and we will get into a little bit more of that later. Right now, we want to pause for a moment to take uh, and bring in one another one of our special recognitions for the nice. And and this one's this one's particularly important. This is a special recognition for community impact. While we cover every form of immersive and experiential, yeah, I'm gonna take a pause and redo that one. While we cover every form of immersive and experiential art we can get our hands on, our first love at No Proscenium will always be immersive theater. It is the form that inspired us to start this publication in the first place, and the craft that shapes our understanding of the field as a whole. The theater part of immersive theater has been hit hard this year, And it has taken some real resilience on the part of creators and patrons alike to make it through months of not being able to make or experience the kinds of work that only bring light into our lives, but for creators, keeps roofs over their heads, student loans paid, and food on the table which is why we want to take a moment to acknowledge the work of the team behind The Lost Halloween, a group of immersive theater professionals and patrons who raised over $45,000 for members of the creative community in New York via their production this past October. We know that the road ahead remains difficult, but for so many, the load will be lighter because of the work this creative team poured into the most valuable resource of all, their colleagues. So, thank you all at the Lost Halloween. All right. We have two more. Catherine is up to read our second to our penultimate. I'm not going to do the penultimate thing, even though I just did. Catherine, come on down.
1: So, the next category is all about theater teams working entirely remotely, which can be really challenging um, during a time of pandemic, you know, creating that. Cohesive ensemble of performers—you um, know everything from the the casting, rehearsing, directing process. All of this, when everyone is distributed, can be extremely challenging, and that's really uh, one reason why it's so impressive that the cast of, like real people do, long-distance relationships division was able to bring to life such a rich tapestry of memorable characters, from the hilarious headless head of HR W. P. Harperworth. Who spoke to participants via recorded video uh, sent via email in between episodes and only speaks in uh, you know uh, corporate double speak to the struggling uh, lovers in the relationship that the story is centered around, Luke and Leo, and kind of the emotional rollercoaster that they're on. but really um, what we found the story's hard to be was the former co-workers, Daphne and Cornelia, who were philosophically opposed as to how to deal with memories and that wide chasm that lay between them and how they tried to bridge that as the experience went forward. So extremely, extremely happy to be able to present out the outstanding achievement in ensemble performances to Like Real People Do, Long Distance Relationships Division, LinkedIn Theater. And the Audience Choice Award for Ensemble Performance goes to also The Sleepover, which was the Cricklewood Theater Company in association with Catnip productions.
5: Yeah, and I think what really is important to note here is the ability that Link Dance Hall was able to get in there and really make you care and love all of these characters, especially since so many of them you have a passive relationship with. They might be recordings or uh, or videos that are presented to you that you just get a snippet of their life, but each performance is endowed with so much uh, thought and detail to how they engage with you and how you'll watch them, that it really brings it to mind. It's so rare, I feel, in some ensemble performances in immersive theater where some people, you know, some performers and characters are definitely regulated to the supporting cast or background players. And while they do a good job in those roles and positions, um, they can't, forgettable and while like real people do had some of those background and supporting characters like uh, WP uh, Harperworth you still really cared about them and you engage in them you think about them and I, I can think of how I feel about each of these characters collectively rather than one or two of them overshadowing the others
0: we've come now to our final award for the night, um, outstanding achievement in immersive and experiential production. Um, b- before I, before I do the bit, um, you know, I, I want to point out, we looked at it's, it's so many different productions this year. And it's, it's been, I think, you know, after we do this next bit, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the, the struggles of the year, but, um, You know, I have always been reluctant to do awards, uh, because people can really wind up feeling left out, um, because at the end of the day, you wind up reading one name and, you know, uh, I want everyone to know, like, we, we did a very concerted effort. You'll notice that when it comes to the jury, um, the jury awards here, uh, there hasn't been any repeats and indeed you're not about to get a repeat. Uh, that was a very conscious choice on our part. Uh, we knew that we wanted to spread as much of the love around as possible. Um, you can see some of that reflected in uh, our our own critics' best ofs that are available on the site as you're listening to this, uh, also in our moments. Um, this form, we, we we wanna celebrate all the effort That goes in, but we also want to put a spotlight on work that didn't just like make us feel good or get us excited or like work on us as people, but that really, you know, is is something that can shape the discussion and hopefully inspire other creators to to pick up the tools uh, or or start exploring what it is they can do in their own work. Um, Because sometimes all it takes is one person and a telephone to remind us all how connected we are, even when we are forced to be apart. This is a year when we were all forced to be apart, when coming together was a risk that carried deadly consequences. And yet the human need for connection is so great, the instinct cannot be denied for long. Though many turned to the latest technology to bring audiences into their world, One Piece exemplified the principle that a performer, equipped with their wit, compassion, and an eagerness to join an audience member on a journey into a shared imaginal space, is the most powerful vessel for an immersive experience. Unique Trapman O'Brien's The Tele-Library, reminded us of the power of shared storytelling by taking us for a little while to a place where gentle curiosity is the governing force. While it's impossible to imagine that one performer could fill the demand of an entire world in need of their services, by granting the outstanding achievement in immersive and experiential production to the telelibrary, we hope that others look to Trapman O'Brien's work as a North Star by which they can chart their own creative courses. And the audience choice, this time out, was also for the telelibrary. So uh, we are all in agreement (laughs) on this one. Um, team, I know a lot of the team's passionate about this one. We'll take a couple more minutes if you guys want to, you know, talk. Uh, and then I kind of want to open it up and, and to everybody and talk about like the the year that was for a bit. Uh, and there's something there's something I want uh, Kevin to be able to give a shout out to that I thought of while we were while we were doing all this stuff because uh, there's something that hasn't been talked about yet uh, that's that's outside of our traditional box, but I think needs to come in here. So Kevin, get ready, you're you're on standby. But Patrick, Catherine, and Laura all wanted to definitely tag in. Laura, it's been a minute. Uh, you want to tag in here to talk about Tell Library?
3: I'd love to. I I do think that um, as as you said, as we're thinking about not just um, how all these different experiences, how they made us feel and how they resonated with us, as we're talking about the industry and trying to look at this time of with these forced limitations that none of us asked for. And I never, if you had ever said to me, especially when we consider immersive theater and we consider live in-person experiences and the indescribable connectivity and the indescribable exchange that happens within that environment. If you would ever said to me, um, there's going to be a production. It is based on a phone tree. It is a single phone call with one performer and it is utterly magical. I, I would have had no way to understand how that would be possible. And I do think that Yannick managed to capture, I, I, I believe, what we all really love about these in-person experiences and again, these indescribable moments, and transform it through this phone call in a way that I think is has a huge impact on the industry moving forward. I just cannot believe how the Tell library continues to evolve and incorporate its genuine co-authorship, its genuine co-creation in a way that I've just not really experienced with anything else even with in-person experiences in the before times. I just think this is utterly unique and magical.
1: Oh gosh. Um yeah, I I want to echo everything that Laura just said, um, and you know, this wasn't really on my radar. Uh, Shortly after the lockdown started happening, I saw a post on our Facebook group, and then I signed up for the waitlist. And this was a time where, when the waitlist sent you an email and you clicked on it, there might still actually be slots available. And so I came in without really knowing what to expect. And I think part of what makes it so wonderful is that. not only is the performer unique, very charming and, you know, improving and taking into account what you're doing and incorporating uh, what you're saying, but there's also a community that has grown around this experience: fellow fans, people who are feeling that sense of connection, and, you know, small spoiler, there is a segment of the phone tree where you can listen to messages where the other users have left them. All of the past participants and that segment brought me to tears yeah i
5: yeah and i couldn't agree once again couldn't agree more with everything that's been said about the telelibrary but what i there's an emotional engaging heart to this piece but i also love that because of the structure of you know the branching telephone structure it just keeps going and going, and like you, it's almost like you you're pushing the experience and you're creating something new, all at the same time. the The, the possibilities when getting a call from the telelibrary and beginning that dialogue truly feel endless. Um, thanks in part to the simplicity of its setup and what uh, is the dynamic of the back and forth, and I think that's what really i love about this is that experimental part of it it is really playing around here in the after times of the height of the pandemic of taking a medium the telephone that we all know so well and use constantly and really putting a fantastic unique spin on it to explore well what can we do how can we create narrative in this way and that's what I loved most was just simply exploring and diving deeper and deeper into the library and seeing how far we can go together with Unique.
0: That's gonna bring the awards part of the show to a close. Uh r- those of you who are listening at home, uh, there's going to be a very brief musical interlude. Uh, those of us sitting here in the recording studio virtually, uh, we're going to roll right into what they're going to hear after that musical, which is a little little 10-minute wrap-up session uh, where we, we talk about the year as a whole. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. And I'm back with the team tonight, the No The No. persinium, most of the No proscenium, uh senior staff. Anthony could not be with us here tonight. We've got Catherine Yu, our executive editor, Kevin Gossett, Laura Hess, Blake Weil, and Patrick McLean, all who've been uh, our presenters for the evening. Um, 2020, what a year, right? Whoa. Whoa. Um, <laughs> What a what a what a y- y- year! This is not going to be like the big total look back, but um, just a little bit of context, I think, uh, for for kind of what you just went through. And also, um, as I teased, Kevin, I wanted you to be able to give a shout out to uh, a particular um, uh, advanced sport, if you will, because uh, I think Sports. I think I think it deserves, okay, it's a sport. It's a what a
1: <laughs> sport. You know, it's
0: a it's a sport. Oh my God! Okay, what's going on with Blazeball now? <laughs> yeah, tell us about tell us about Blazeball.
2: Yeah, here in the, here in the special achievement for thing Kevin won't shut up about is uh, Blazeball. Um, so yeah, it's a weird internet baseball simulation that's like ostensibly a horror game. It's but, fantasy um, fantasy baseball. It
0: dark fantasy
2: baseball. Yeah, <laughs> so you can bet on the game. It's yeah, so it's like a an. A random name generator combined with basically a random number generator that you can bet on um, that generates these baseball games across 20 teams, uh, ranging from the Unlimited Tacos, formerly the Los Angeles Tacos. There was a whole thing That's there. Right. And then By a whole thing, the, uh, you mean Charleston. a rift in
1: space and time, okay? Let's not, you
2: yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. I'd feel like explain that whole thing. I mean, yeah, they both won uh, and Rift lost the game at the same time. And
1: then the single Los Angeles became unlimited Los Angeles. Yeah, like,
0: like, this is Kevin's segment. This is Kevin's segment. Let okay, okay. Yeah,
2: so you got the, the tacos, and you got, like, the Charleston shoe thieves or the Hades tigers. Uh, it's a wide variety of uh, – or the uh, Canada moist talkers, I guess, is the uh, weirdest team name. Um. So, yeah, it's it's a weird sport. Thing, game, simulation, ARG, immersive thing um, that cropped up a few months ago, and I think it's it's been a wild kind of thing to see it evolve into this this actual world. And I I think that's why I keep mentioning it in terms of like immersive and ARGs because it has kind of created this world where where you can engage as deeply or as kind of shallowly as you want. Like if you want to just kind of bet on the games, you can do that with these weird named players and they sometimes are incinerated by rogue empires or uh, feedback to other teams in a weird version of a trade or uh, shelled by a giant peanut god who was eventually eaten by a giant squid god. Um, it's a weird thing. And then there's this whole kind of community that's cropped up that's that's given it kind of this life where where the players take on these weird kind of representatives. Of of people drawing them or talking about them or kind of creating these backstories, and you can dive as deeply into that and the lore as you want. Or other one team has uh, based in Seattle, named the Garages, is like a rock band. So the the fans of that team actually created a rock band and have put out a really prodigious amount of music in a very short amount of time. It's like this like um, participatory, so it's just kind of this fascinating, immersive like, ARG thing. It's like it's um, not
0: it's fan fiction, but it's all being canonized. Almost like
1: a, I mean, right? It,
2: yeah, like everything is canon and nothing is canon. Um, so you can kind of roll whatever, whatever, whatever interpretation you want to of the game. So if you just want to be like, oh, this is a weird player with like Wyatt Mason, you can roll with that. Or you want to be like, Wyatt Mason was uh, actually the entire tacos team at one point because they have a, a gateway error. Oh no, that was the uh, that was the. All I don't sorts know. Of there's all these weird things get like,
1: incorporated in as well
2: yeah yeah so that's kind of like they fold in things which is i think why it reminds me of an arg where it's like things go wrong and they just need to kind of incorporate elements of what's happened in the actual game into the game and they've done a kind of really good job of making it into the a kind of story that runs along those tracks too
0: i think one of the reasons why it's important for us to like talk about it and even to like talk about it on on this show on this night of all nights is like, this is a game that's gotten a lot of exposure in the video game press Like the video game press loves this game. It's gone on a lot of top 10 lists and it's in conversation with so much that's in our world in the same way that something like, you know, galaxy's edge at Disneyland is in conversation with our world. Right. And there's, it just speaks to me of the idea that the the techniques and the type of experiences that the creators in our you know orbit make, um, well, they often are like only a few select so like people get to hear them or see them or experience them. And even something that's super successful like sleep no more still has kind of an upper limit on how many people can get through, or however many people have like you know a quest. You know, headset and like, don't just want to play population one with it. Um, all of that, there is this vast hunger for the types of worlds and the types of experiences that create these feedback loops for people that the the more you put into it, the more it's going to give back to you. And, and that's thematic across our entire field.
2: Yeah. And then I think, I think you kind of touched on something there too, is how it kind of Immersive does seek into almost game design and kind of that, those elements um, in a way too. And I know, I know, Catherine, you kind of talked about some game design stuff and something you wrote recently. I can't remember what article that all ended of them, up in.
1: Basically. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it was a specific one about like kind of incorporating elements of, of game design into your how you're building out your immersive shows. Um, and I think it there's kind of lessons to be learned in all of these things in, in how. To think about building out these stories and how people interact with them and, and can interact mm-hmm. with them to kind of build up.
1: Yeah, I think we need to
2: a community or a communal story. Yeah, I think,
1: um, it's less about the perspective of, "Oh no, something went wrong," and more about the perspective of a participant did what? <gasps> That's amazing. How can we leverage that? How can we encourage that? Or like what does this mean? That's
0: fascinating because I was having that conversation with someone about like the difference between live and recorded you know you know, virtual theater right now. Right. I think some of that may have come up in some of the conversations we're having in the XR stuff, but also in talking with people about Zoom shows, you know, and just like the, you know, there's there's an aspect of it where you're like, well, you're kind of there to see what sort of to see what goes wrong, but really you're you're there to see how people play the field each night. You know, other you know, a movie's always gonna, you know, be like the the best takes that were chosen of the many, many takes. But the thing about going to theater is like you have no idea which take you're getting that night and that's where was, so much of the thrill comes from
1: yeah and i would say a lot of the awards we've given out tonight i can you know if if they ran this again if there was another run if you showed up on a friday instead of a sunday you might have a completely different experience if you got a different prospero or a different volunteer from call from the resistance and that's what makes it so exciting
0: yeah yeah it's all part of the mix all right anyone wanna give any last shout outs to 2020 before we put the podcast to bed can, for about a week
4: maybe can week we put 2020 to bed for good good riddance to this awful year
0: <laughs> the oh, been... oh, oh we gonna we gonna we gonna put 2020 down don't worry about that we're we're not gonna make the mistake we did last year of toasting uh or anything because the, the last time I got to see uh one of the last times I got to see Kevin and Catherine in the flesh was was a couple of days before New Year, uh, when we recorded last year's end of year show. Uh, so we're 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 not going to be so bold. But uh, are you saying it was our fault? Oh no, no, okay, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is 2020 better watch out uh, and not go into any alleys because I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm going to get 2020.
3: But I do uh, want to toast to. The, all the work that we cited, and all the work that we that we considered that we didn't specifically cite tonight. I mean, I I, mean, I really yeah. Do. To
0: the, all the folks we weren't able to talk to talk about because right, there's right. there's so much for for a year where there shouldn't have been so much good work. There was a lot of good work this Right. Year.
3: Yes.
4: For a wretched year, it was one of the best years of theater I've seen. You know, there's all the argument that necessity is the mother of invention, but I guess it played out true this year. However, hackneyed that sounds,
0: there
5: were yeah. a lot of. Actually, yeah, there were a lot
0: of. Okay, you. there were
5: a lot of risks being taken, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. both big and small, both in story and the medium we're using to tell that story, and. Well, you know, while some of them personally I thought, you know, worked better than others, I thought they were all still worthwhile, that people were really trying to say something or do something that was interesting, that sometimes maybe the execution didn't work, but was nevertheless, I walked away from everything I saw this year going, I'm glad I took the time to see that and experience it, and I look forward to keeping my ear to the ground about more work being done from these people or more work along these lines.
2: And then um, I imagine we'll probably talk about it more on on the end of year stuff when it comes up. But I think just the kind of accessibility and openness that that all this remote work has kind of allowed us to engage in. Um, we don't normally aren't able to kind of find a through line to talk about from the LA folks and the Chicago folks and the New York folks, but I think it's been with so much remote work, it's been open to to a lot more people um, in a way that immersive theater is usually usually not um, and it's some of that local work has been able to be accessed in all parts of the country and even different parts of the world. Um, and I think that's that's something to be celebrated for this year yeah, too.
3: We've had I, I think it's across
1: an... the world right uh the uh, achievement in escape gaming that's from manchester u k the uh, sleeper hit that's from Japan.
0: Yeah, like it's it's opened up a possibility. Like we would not have been able to do, you know, <laughs> well-advised or ill-advised as doing awards might be, there was no way we were going to be able to do this without this whole internet side of immersive happening this year. There's just no way to have an informed conversation about who was doing daring work, who was pushing limits, and who was perfecting their craft. Um when you just couldn't see the work of folks, you know, in different parts of the world or even to parts of the country. Mm-hmm. It's, it's its changed everything. And it is something that that I hope sticks around. In a I, way.
3: I do think we need to i th- I think just to piggyback on Kevin, I, I do hope that creators consider not just from an accessibility standpoint in terms of geography, but I think for people with chronic illness and disabilities, when we have in-person performances again, if there is a consideration around either, um, is there a satellite experience? Is there a way to have a version of that experience or just to continue designing from the get-go around experiences that anyone can experience? I think it's such an important part of this conversation because people in that community even from a work perspective, have been saying for so long, we need other options. And broadly, corporate America was like, it's too expensive, it's too difficult, we can't do it. But of course, once we were pushed into that territory, we managed to make it happen and art made it happen. And I hope that we do continue with that spirit of accessibility for people, even once we can go back to in-person experiences.
0: Just... There's going to be a lot more to to have us all un, unpack as we look forward into 2021, which I think will be the next time we get everybody together. Uh, a session we need to schedule at some point soon. But we've been at this for a while. Uh, the show is going on the 90 minute mark, so I want to I want to close it off, and just again thank everyone uh, everyone who made work this year. Uh, thank you so much uh, Congratulations to all of those who got Acknowledged uh, also everyone Who got nominated congratulations To you you know there are people Out there who love you enough To raise their hands isn't That freaking wonderful Feel that love uh, I wish we could talk about all the people That we, that we, we were considering uh, For all the stuff but like The list would go really would like Take us another like half hour just to like name names So on that note again thank you Catherine. thank you Kevin thank you Laura thank you Blake thank you Patrick this has been Noah Nelson uh for No Persinium R and I think I forgot to do this at the beginning so I really got to do it right now our sustaining backers of No Persinium are Sydney Gillery Emily Gillette Brittany, Elaine Mark Baltazar Jan Budman Paul F Lonnie Hanson Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Ministry. The music for No Percentum is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask.